All right, so I'm speaking on, uh, we're closing up our series. Pastor Dan will finish it up here in the next week or so um, after today, but uh, we've been doing uh, uh, the series Revive Us Again, O Lord, and I've uh, been uh, highlighting different revivals that have happened through, uh, through the years. And so this morning I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, the Toronto Blessing. And, um, and what went on there and just share an area from the word that, uh, God was going to have me share this morning. And so the title of the message this morning is, What's the Plan? What's the Plan? So, uh, we're going to show a video here. It's a three minute trailer video for actually this one hour and, and a half video called the Go Inside the Toronto Blessing. Uh, you can watch this on YouTube. It's, completely free. Just search for it. The Go inside the Toronto Blessing. It's really well done. Um, and watch that. But here's a little uh, three-minute recap of what this is about and what went on in Toronto.
Yeah, do it again, Lord. I could just feel the anointing in that video. Funny, tri- funny thing about our trip to Toronto, uh, Pastor Dan, uh, Jim Wolf, uh, Leo Dayhill, and I uh, went to Toronto. And this was actually um, four years after the 12 years that Toronto happened. Toronto went on meetings like this for 12 years, six, nine, six days a week, uh, several services a day. And this started with a small group of people about what's here this morning was birthed out of that. Um, uh, just good getting to Toronto for that trip was a little difficult getting into Canada, which is kind of weird because <laughs> you would think Canada well, it wouldn't be very hard to get into. Uh, so we, uh, we arrived in Canada, and Jim Wolf and Pastor Dan just cruised right through customs. No, no problem whatsoever. I hit customs, and they're like, see that door over there? Go in there. And so I go in there, and there's just this whole other world in there. And then I am sent to a team of, there was about four people in the room across from me, and they sit there, and they kept asking me questions. Why are you here in Canada Uh, for a pastor's conference? So you're not going to stay? No, I have a wife at home. And a job. I'm going to go back home. Uh, why are you here again? For a pastor's conference. So what's this pastor's conference about? Well, it's study in the Bible and to encourage us pastors and the ministry and just a time of refreshing. Uh, so how long are you going to be here? Seven days. So you are going to go back home? Yes, I'm not planning to stay. <laughs> Sounds like you guys don't want me here. <laughs> so after about 15 minutes of that, they finally said, okay, you're free to go. And so they let me out. Well, Leo Dayhell, he they uh, kept him for about 20 minutes, uh, just questioning and stuff. So it was just, it was just I just attributed it as uh, the enemy just trying to frustrate us and, and that time. But um, that was our journey there to Toronto. But Toronto was... Uh, Like I said, it lasted 12 years. It was six days a week. And out of Toronto, some pretty uh, big ministries came out of this whole revival time. And one of them was the Hymn Ministry, which is Harvest International Ministry, which planted thousands of churches in over 60 nations. And another one, which you are going to, is Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, Africa. Heidi Baker, who's the leader of Iris Global, um, after attending the meetings in Toronto, went back to Mozambique and in the years since, along with her husband Roland, has planted over 10,000 churches through Africa and Asia. Uh, their organization provides food to 10,000 children each day, operates three primary schools and five Bible schools, and they s- attribute the success to what started in Toronto. Also, just south of us in, in Reading is Bethel Church. One year after Bill Johnson, a pastor of Weaverville, California, visited Toronto, he took over as the senior pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California. Bethel has become known as a place of supernatural healing, impartation, and ministry training, and as a, as a result of what occurred with him in Toronto. 
Nikki Gumbel, who is a curate of the Holy Trinity Brompton at the time of the Toronto Blessing. She became the vicar of the church, the biggest, biggest Anglican church in the United Kingdom. He has been quoted as saying that Toronto Blessing was the kick that started the Alpha Course in the United Kingdom. So, and just millions and millions of lives affected by the Toronto Blessing. As you could see in the video, just, it was about breaking down walls uh, between, you know, races and fathers and children and um, husbands and wives and just nations and uh, race, breaking down race boundaries and uh, different church denominational boundaries. And it was just about tearing down those walls. Well, this morning I want to talk about what's the plan. Because I went to Toronto with, in my heart, asking God, God, what's the plan? What's the plan for my life? What are you doing here? You know, because I had... I had been to the Rodney Howard Brown meetings and, and now I was going to Toronto and, and I was like, what, what is the plan? I'd had people prophesy over my life and, and I was just asking God, what's the plan? And so we're going to start out here in Judges 13 verses 1 through 24. I'm just going to read through them really quick. And I like to challenge David each time that I uh, read a section of the scripture and I'm reading out of the NCV version this morning. Uh, do you guys know what the NCV version is? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what the NCV version is. And there's a reason why I'm reading out of the NCV version. So the NCV version stands for New Century Version. It's a revision of the International Children's Bible, the ICB. And it's a translation of the Bible that was aimed at young readers and those with low reading skills Limited vocabulary in English. It is written at a third grade level and is both conservative and evangelical tone. So I'm not saying that you guys are reading at a third grade level this morning. I just, there's a reason in this passage why we're using this. So just bear with me as I read through this. Here we go. Verse one. And again, again, the people of Israel did what the Lord said was wrong. So he handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. There was a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan who lived in the city of Zehorah. And he had a wife, but she could not have children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, You have not been able to have children, but you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. Be careful not to drink wine or beer or eat anything that is unclean because you will become pregnant and have a son. You must never cut his hair, because he will be a Nazarite, given to God from birth. He he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Then Manoah's wife went to him and told him what had happened. She said, A man from God came to me. He looked like an angel from God. His appearance was frightening. I didn't ask him where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said, you will become pregnant and will have a son. Don't drink wine or beer or eat anything that is unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Lord, I beg you to let the man of God come to us again. 
Let him teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born to us. God heard Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God came to Manoah's wife again while she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her, so she ran to tell him, He is here. The man who appeared to me the other day is here. Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who spoke to my wife? The man said, I am. Manoah asked, When when what you say happens, what kind of life should the boy live? What should he do? The angel of the Lord said, Your wife must be careful to do everything I told her to do. She must not eat anything that grows on a grapevine or drink any wine or beer or eat anything that is unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay a while so we can cook a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord answered, Even if I stay a while, I would not eat your food. But if you want to prepare something, offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Manoah did not understand that the man was really the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, What is your name? Then we will honor you when what you have said really happens. Then the angel of the Lord said, Why do you ask my name? It is too amazing for you to understand. So Manoah sacrificed a young goat on the rock and offered some grain as a gift to the Lord. Then an amazing thing happened. As Manoah and his wife watched, the flames went up to the sky from the altar. And as the fire burned, the angel of the Lord went up to heaven in the flame. When Manoah and his wife saw that, they bowed face down on the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear to them again. Then Manoah understood that the man was really the angel of the Lord. Manoah said, we have seen God, so we will surely die. But his wife said to him, if the Lord wanted to kill us, he would not have accepted our burnt offering or grain offering. He would not have shown us all these things or told us, told us all these, all this. So the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. Good thing for us men sometimes that our wives are around, right? To tell us uh, what God is saying and point it out. That was kind of the reason why uh, this version, because Manoah was having a hard time seeing what God was trying to tell them what to do. So can we agree that we all understand that God wants to use us? He wants to use us. But usually we approach it with a requirement that I need to know what that's going to look like, right? We want to know the plan. We are like, I need some details, God. I need some specifics here. I need some marching orders, marching orders, God. I need some dates that's going to happen, some times, some instructions here, God. I need to know. So please, Lord, if it's not too much trouble, send that guy back. And he said, we're... We're going to have this son. He's going to do this stuff that's going to change the world. But I I need to hear from you myself, God. I need to know the plan. Do we have any planners here in the church? I'm a planner. That's why I do a lot of the administration for the church. And uh, thank God for you guys. Good job, Jeremiah. <laughs> uh 
Because, you know, we do need people that plan stuff. You know, I'm, I'm the type that when I go on a trip, I think about what could happen. And I plan accordingly. I bring everything that could pot, that I could need that if this were to happen. So if I go on a camping trip, well, we have a trailer. Well, what if one of the pipes were to break? Well, in the back of the trailer, there's some stuff to repair plumbing. Or what if, what if this happens or that happens? That's just the type of person is I, I am. I like to plan. But, you know, thank God for the planners. And that being said, it can be a problem as well. And I'm going to show you why here. When we are always asking God, what's the plan? That can be sometimes the problem. He said, we need to know the plan. Manoah here says, we need to know the plan. If it's going to be this big thing, you know, if you gave us a promise, I need to know the plan because... Without a plan, the promise is just some abstract rhetoric. It's not worth anything. You haven't given me a plan. I don't know what to do. So there's no worth there. With the plan, I can know God is for me, that he wants to use me to spread his gospel. And, you know, all that sounds good. So he's like, just just send that man back, God. Let me have five minutes with him. So he was, he was putting a demand on God right there that God need to come tell him personally. It wasn't good enough that it came from what his wife testified what the man had said. I need to know the plan. And then I like this phrase in Judges 13.9. God heard Manoah in his prayer or petition that he wanted the man to come back And again, the angel of God came again to the woman. (laughs) So he's asking for God to send the man back to tell him. And where does God send the man or the angel? He sends the angel back to the woman while she's out in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. But one thing I love at the beginning of this scripture, it says, God heard Manoah. And it's interesting that, you know, it wasn't the woman that had prayed to send the man back. It was Manoah. So then Manoah's asking God to show up and speak to him. And you know one thing about God? He's the one that always initiates. So he initiated but he's looking for our response. He initiates, how do we respond? He initiates, but how do we respond? God did hear Manoah here. When Manoah prayed, God, God, I need you to come tell me because I need to figure this out. I need to have trust here that you... Come and tell me. Instead, he obliged Manoah's need for more information by telling his wife again. So tell the person next to you, you know what? God hears me. So tell the person next to you, God hears me. 
And I do want you to know, God does hear you better than Siri. He hears you better than Google. He hears you better than Alexa. I almost called her Alex. (laughs) He hears you better than all of them combined. He hears me. He hears you. He knows my voice. He likes it when I call him. Even when I say, help, he says yes before I could even get the H out of my mouth. He hears my groans when words don't come. He hears me. He hears my heart and the secret petitions of the things that people don't know that I am dealing with. He hears me. He hears the unspoken. He hears what I don't say. He hears me. He hears what's behind what I said that's really driving my behavior. He hears me. He hears my secret frustrations that I don't say around you guys. Because if I told you what my frustrations were, it might scare you. But God hears me. He hears me when I sing to him, when I tell him, worthy is the Lamb of God. He hears me. He hears me. And I know I'm not the best singer, but he hears me. I don't always sing in key, but he hears me. He hears me when I sing, thank you, Jesus. He hears me, and it blesses his heart to hear me. So the angel of God came again to the woman. Manoah asked for the visit, and the angel is back out talking to his wife, Because God is not going to do it like you want him to do it. He's going to want to see if you will trust him. In verse 9 it says, So the angel of God came to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. And the woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? Really? Your wife just told you he's here and this is the man. And he has to ask him again, Are you the man that talked to my wife? The angel said, I am. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, I don't doubt you're going to do it. I just need to know the plan. Wait a minute, he says, I don't doubt that you're going to do it, but I need to know the plan. Isn't that contradictory? He's doubting right there. Unless you let me know the plan, it cannot be accomplished. What is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? How do we do this? How do we do this, God? I need to know the plan. And in our lives, a lot of times, we, we want to know, we want to see what the plan is, what God's going to do. And we don't have that plan. So a lot of times when we, we're sitting there waiting for the plan and we want God to show us the plan, what do we sometimes tend to do? We tend to try to make the plan happen. We tend to try to tweak the plan or add things in or try to make things happen. We try to manipulate God. 
And that's what he's doing here. He's trying to manipulate God into giving him the plan. And I know none of us have ever done that. I surely haven't. I repent. I just lied. I have done that. We'd be like, well, you could do this and we could do this. It's all good. But I want you to watch what the angel does here. Instead of giving Manoah the plan, which is what he asked for, what do we do with this boy? What are we supposed to do with this calling on his life? I need to know the plan. I need to know the details. I need to know the agenda. And here it comes, point number two, the pivot. The Bible says here that the angel in verse 13 said he pivots from what Manoah asked to what he needed to know right now. Sometimes when you pray to God, he's going to pivot to what you need to know right now. I need to know the plan, God. But God pivots and says, this is what I need you to know right now. The angel could have been a great basketball player. Probably wondered why the basketball was up here on the podium. (laughs) And he could have been in the all-star game because of how quickly he pivots on Manoah here. Manoah is like, I need to know what to do when this boy is born. I need to know the plan. I need to know how we're going to raise him. Manoah is full of questions. The angel pivots from this and says, just tell your wife what? Just tell your wife, don't drink anything or eat anything unclean. The angel pivoted to what Manoah needed to know right now. What Manoah needed to release right now in his wife's life to be there to help her through this time of this pregnancy. Each of us have people around us that God is showing us what we need to do right now to release his kingdom in their lives. And God is pivoting to tell us what we need to know. That's all you need to know right now. The pivot from what you think you need to know to what you really need to know. We always want to see God's hand, but sometimes we need to watch his feet and his face. I love that song. That was so perfect. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Look forth in his wonderful face. Because God wants you to Pay attention to his footwork and what he's doing and where he's going and looking to his face for the provision that you are to release and do in that moment. The one thing amazing about a pivot, it's just a very simple step, right? But what does it do? What does a pivot do? What does a pivot do? It completely changes the direction. 
It completely changes the direction of where you need to go and what you need to do. When he, when he pivots, you have to be paying attention to go with him. I want your face, Lord. I want to know you. I want to seek you. I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want to have you. I want to understand what you know I need to understand in this moment. I wonder, is God right now trying to pivot your prayer life? Is God trying to pivot your strategizing? Is God trying to pivot because you're always trying to look for him in logic? You're always trying to look for him in analysis and in calculation. But God is spirit. And you can't get him through strategy. You have to come to God on your knees in full surrender with open arms, open hands, and an open heart. It's the pivot. It's a small move. It's a small step. And a lot of times we miss that in asking God what the plan is. And he's saying, I need you to do this in Jim's life right now. I need you to release this here. I need you to release this here. Those 120 people in Toronto, I bet you they came into that place and God was saying, I need you to do this here. I bet you they weren't expecting that 12 years later, six nights a week, that they would still be doing that. The only way they were able to do that is because they were dwelling in the provision that God was releasing in the moment. There is no way to physically sustain 12 years, six nights a week, several services a day, without you paying attention to the provision that God is telling you to release in that moment. Manoah, you can't handle the plan right now. You need to know that my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. With the pivot, God is just trying to show us a different way to see the situation and to see his will in that situation. Where sometimes I thought I knew what he was doing, but he was doing something else and I need to pay attention. Then Manoah gets the promise. This is from the Lord. You know, he didn't realize that at first, but he starts to sense, he starts to sense that this may be God here. This is God. This is the Lord. This is from the Lord. The gifts that God has given you, they're from Him. The talents that God has given you are from Him. The children or the people around you God has put you in that place to release what is needed in that situation. This is from the Lord. And so since it's from the Lord, then I need to... He was saying, I need him to show me how to do it. But sometimes he won't answer the question that I asked. Instead, he'll give me wisdom 
that I need because he knows a better question that I need to ask. What do you need me to do, Lord? That should be the question I ask. Not demanding God, what is the plan, God? But instead, what do you need me to to do, Lord? And the trip to Toronto, Canada in 2008 for us, um, here's Pastor Dan. He was, it was very cold at that time. He's out on the balcony. Um, sometimes it was minus 10 at times with the wind chill and stuff. And actually they were giving warnings that if you're going to go out jogging, you were to put on your goggles so that your eyes didn't freeze. So it was, it was pretty cold. <laughs> but, What I wanted to talk about, my time there in Toronto, at the end of every service, uh, they had a time, a prayer line that you would get into and they would pray for you. And every night, Jim and Dan were dragging me out (laughs) as I was just blasted in God. But I was still, every time I was in the line, I was just like, God, what is all this for? What is all this about? What is the plan, God? Close to the very last night, um, they go through the line and pray for everybody again. And I'm down on the ground. After they get done with the line, this young man from New Zealand comes back and he leans down beside me and he says, I just get this impression that you need to read the book of Jeremiah. (laughs) And he walks away. I had read verses in the book of Jeremiah. I've, I've heard teachings on the book of Jeremiah. But in 2008, I still had not read the whole book of Jeremiah. From what I heard about what Jeremiah was, Jeremiah was this guy that was always crying and bringing bad news. (laughs) And I didn't want, as a man, to be someone that was always crying and bringing bad news. And so I was just like, I'm not reading that book. It's not something I want to read. But here, this guy was pivoting. And releasing what I needed to do. The plan. And I tell you what, Jeremiah is a hard book to read. <laughs> it's a lot of uh. It's a lot of uh. <laughs> um, but there is a lot of good there too. And wisdom. A famous verse that's in Jeremiah that we all know, Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. But rewind. Rewind here to verse 4 through 7. The pivot before that verse of what you're supposed to do in that time for that stuff to happen. So the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the captives whom I have sent 
to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Seek peace and well-being for your city where I have sent you, where I have sent you. In exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its peace, well-being, you will have peace. Just like with Manoah. Help your wife. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you. What are you supposed to be doing right now? Ministering to where you're at. Prosper. Release the kingdom. Bring forth fruit from the gardens. Bring forth spiritual fruit for your community. For your the people in your community. The people around you. Bring forth that spiritual fruit to release to them. Because what will happen? As you pray to the Lord on the, be, on the behalf of your community and those around you. And you are releasing what God is telling you in that moment. It will release peace and well-being. And you will have peace. Now Israel was in this situation because they had ignored this. Because back in Jeremiah 6.16 it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Toronto could be considered ancient paths. What was God doing there? Bringing down walls. Where the good way is. Then walk in it. We've been doing this series of revive us again, O Lord. It's not to say, not to say, oh God, yes, we want Him to do that again, but we need to say, God, what do I need to do in the pivot to bring forth your kingdom? So that that happens again. Stand on the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. What is the ancient path, God, that I need to release here so that it brings forth your kingdom in this situation and brings forth uh, freedom and deliverance and brings down the walls that have been built here? And you will find rest for your souls. But what did they say? We will not walk in it. Verse 17, I have set watchmen, prophets over you, saying, listen and pay attention to the warning sound of the trumpet. But what did they say? We will not listen. You could listen to your your flesh saying, I need to know the plan, God. Or you can listen to everything that is going on around you in our country right now and in this world. Or you can pivot and do what God is asking you to do in that moment. You can pivot. In closing, I'm going to ask you guys all to do something. 
I'm going to ask you guys to come together. So let's stand up. And I know sometimes this is a little uncomfortable for some of us, but let's, let's move together. And I want you to either hold the hands to the person next to you. Also, you can either hold or touch the person in front of you. But this is something that um, I just feel led by the Lord. And we're going to replay the song, Break Dividing Walls. And I want you to pray for the person around you because right now, all of us are connected. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for us to be connected in one. Breaking divided walls. Bringing down division. Releasing His kingdom. Pivoting with God so that I know that when God asks me to release this to the person that I'm holding the, the hand of to the right or to the left or the person clear in the back because you are connected through all these hands to that person as well. What is God telling you to release? In your own family, you are connected to your children. You're connected to those around you. You release what God is telling you to pivot and release to them. At your job, in your community, you pivot to release his kingdom and how he's showing you what to do. You don't need to know the whole big picture. You need to know what God is telling you to release at this very moment. So let's receive this word from this song from Toronto. Ancient paths of what God was releasing. Let's break down divided walls. Let's release peace over our community and our lives and those around us. Let's release his kingdom. David. Let the walls come down. There is a place command Declare this right now as he sings it. We will break divine walls. We will break divine walls. We will break divine walls. 